Hello, friends. Welcome back. We have a word of victory for you today. God bless you. You know, to all our our fellowship friends who come to church at Word of Victory, I just want to say today I miss you all, and I know that we are all missing church and being able to gather together. But praise God. Uh, we just thank the Lord for technology <laughs> that we can uh, that we can still fellowship together. And we know that this too will pass, you know. Um, we just praise you and we thank you today, Father. We just agree together in the name of Jesus for every trace of that coronavirus to be eliminated in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. We have prayed for that thing to, to wither and die. And we break the, the assignment of the enemy that is seeking to keep people, keep believers from meeting, keep people apart, keep families apart. We just take authority in the spirit in this, this day in the name of Jesus. And we praise you and we thank you, Father, for restrictions to be lifted. Father, we thank you, Lord, for those people who are sick in hospital uh, we just speak right now, Father, into their immune systems, and we speak health and healing to flow. Lord, you said you sent your word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. We break the power of that spirit of destruction that has been released upon this earth through that coronavirus. And we just praise you and we thank you, Lord. We speak healing and health for all those who have been affected. And we thank you, Lord, that by the stripes of Jesus, they are healed. We pray that they would come to know you, Jesus, and that they would come to know what it is you did for them at the cross. We praise you. We break the power of the spirit of fear and terror that has been uh, circulating with that virus. We, we just praise you, Father God, that we do not fear because we are living under the shelter of the Most High God. And we praise you, Father God. We plead the blood of Jesus around each one of our households, all our families, our communities, Lord. We praise you and we thank you for the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus is greater than that coronavirus and it bows its knee today in Jesus name. We praise you and we thank you Father. We pray let let there fall upon us Lord and upon all the people of this world an awareness of you Father of your presence. Let there be an awakening Lord across this land. We ask you Lord to let us open up the ancient gates so that king of glory can come in in Jesus name. Amen. You know, I've heard <clears throat> with the last week or so, the cuckoo, that little bird that says cuckoo, cuckoo, <laughs> he has been calling all day long where we are living. <clears throat> and, you know, even as we go out walking, it it really feels like he's following us and that he's calling all the way um, up the valley where we walk. And I believe that it was, I was praying about it and saying, Lord, what is this like? Because, you know, twice ever I heard the cuckoo. It's it's a rare thing to hear him and, um, or her, whichever one it is. But um, uh, before I, I, I heard the cuckoo twice, um, once uh, in a day um, a long time ago and then a few years later I heard the cuckoo again uh, just once but this past week the cuckoo has been calling all day and all evening and I was praying about it and asking the Lord and I really felt it is a prophetic uh, thing that we've been hearing I believe that the cuckoo is calling time 
And it's amazing, isn't it, that the cuckoo is the bird that when the Swiss and, and the German um, clockmakers used to make the, 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 the clocks with the, the little bird that would come out and announce the hour or the half hour, that it was the cuckoo they used. And I believe that the cuckoo is calling to the devil. Time is up. And I believe the cuckoo is calling to the people of God. It's time. And the hour is here. You know, the cuckoo is um, known as the herald of a new season. He comes in late spring to announce that spring is here and that we are on the doorstep of summer. And so I believe he is heralding that God's timing, that there is a shift right now happening. This is a turning point. And I believe that for the last few months as I've been praying, we are in, in a shift of seasons, in a, in a time of transition. And we are breaking into and going into a new season. And I challenge you, friend, today to declare that over your life and over the life of your family, that this is a new season in Jesus' name. Say it with me. Lord God, I thank you, Father, that this is a new season. And devil, I tell you, time is up. You back off in the name of Jesus from me and my family, and I release the Spirit of God to bring me into this season of breakthrough. I thank you, Father. It's a season of restoration and of entering into the fullness of salvation through my Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen, friend. And I agree with you in that prophetic declaration that this is a new season for you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. We thank you, Lord. We worship you today. We lift up our, our hearts to you, Lord. We lift up our hands, we lift up our, our lives to you, Lord, and we, we, we come before you just as we are, Lord, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for where you're bringing us from, that you have brought us through so much. You know, friend, I want to tell you, you are growing, you are changing, you are transitioning, and you are being transformed from glory to glory into God's glorious image through his spirit who lives inside of you. As you are studying his word, as you are talking to the Lord, as you are praising, as you are worshipping him, you are growing in your knowledge of him. And even though you may not be able to see it, you are changed and different. And I, I guarantee you that people around you are noticing the difference, that there is growth there. Um, we read recently from Second Corinthians chapter 3, and yesterday... As I was studying, listening to the cuckoo, I, I felt to go to Second Corinthians chapter 4. So we might go and start there today first. And I encourage you to open your Bible. I hope you have a Bible. And if you don't, maybe on your phone you can go into Bible Gateway or one of those online um, Bible apps. But you do need to read the Bible. Um, it's so important for you to read it out yourself. And even for, you know, your brain believes what it hears your voice saying the most. You can listen to people and, you know, they can be telling you things and you may or may not believe those things. But your brain is wired that it believes what it hears your voice saying. So that's why we have to be so careful about what is coming out of our mouths. And if there's negative things, if there's, uh, you know, 
talk of fear or, or terror or, or whatever the, the, the negative things that come out of our mouths. We all say stupid things. We all do it. But we need to set a guard over our lips. It's very important. And so that when we speak the word of God, and especially when we speak it aloud, what happens is, is that we are rewiring our brain. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And your heart that it's speaking of there, the scripture, it means your inner man, your inner person. And, um, you know, it's it's what you believe about yourself that you will become. This isn't any kind of mystic new age teaching. This is what the Lord says about you. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And this is why many people live lives of failure and of hopelessness, because perhaps they have been spoken down to uh, or cursed by parents or, or, or those in authority over them, or perhaps they have cursed themselves. Well, I, I would never understand that anyway. I will never make anything anyway. I'll never be any good. That's never going to work anyway for me. You know, and what we do is we entrap and snare ourselves by our own words. And it says in Proverbs chapter eighteen twenty one, or is it the other way around? Uh, you know, that death and life are in the power of your tongue. It's in, in the power of your tongue. You have power in your life over your own life and over your future and your destiny and over the lives of those in your in, in your inner circle. Because you can bless or you can curse. You can bring life or you can bring death. And you need to be careful about what you're speaking out. Not just about yourself, but about others. And, um, you know, it's, I, I, I believe that's for somebody there today. Watch what's coming out of your mouth. And, and repent of those negative words. Repent of idle words. Repent of curse words that you've spoken over yourself, over your family or over others. In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know where that came out of. <laughs> I'm after throwing myself right off tangent now. <laughs> How will I go back to this? We are being changed from glory to glory. Hallelujah. We read in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 recently, you know, how Moses' face shone with the glory of God. And we were uh, talking about how that Moses asked God, show me your glory in, in um, Exodus 34, I think it is. And God replied to Moses asking him to show him his glory. He said, I will make my goodness pass before you. So we're going to talk today about the goodness of God. And um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, excuse me, I my throat was a little bit hoarse today, but anyway... Praise God. Um, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. And I'm reading it from the NLT. He was talking, Paul was talking here to the Corinthians about how that Moses' face had shone because he had been in the presence of God, but that those who were under the law could never understand the goodness of God or, or enter into his glorious uh, presence because they're they're obeying the law and the law brings a veil down on top of people. It actually, it covers them so that they cannot understand or perceive uh, the, the faith. They can't understand faith. 
And so they've been trying to obey the law and trying to do good works in order to make themselves right with God. And Paul was telling them here, that's never going to work. But he said, where the veil is lifted, and he speaks about it here in verse 16, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When somebody repents and turns to Jesus and says, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me for my sins. I can never make myself right with God. I can never do enough good things to make myself holy. And Lord Jesus, I need you. I ask you to save me. That's what being born again means. It means our spirit is born again to God and we are reconnected to the Father through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, through what he did for us at the cross. And so whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And suddenly, for years, they may have tried to understand God's word or they may have tried to read the Bible or, or you know, talk to God and, and found that they never had an answer. And they're saying, God never answers me anyway, because there's like this blockage. Well, the blockage was the veil. But when someone repents and turns to Jesus and cries out to him and, you know, the veil is taken away and this upsets religious people and it did in the Bible and it still does today. And that's why many people will look at somebody who, who perhaps was an outcast of society or perhaps was, was someone who was involved in, in addictions to drugs or alcohol or gambling or sex or whatever the problem was with their life or the sin in their life that was so evident to all the, the really righteous, holy people. Uh, these religious people are amazed and, and can never believe that somebody can be totally transformed and, you know, who, who just repented and came before God and, 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 you know, lived a horrible life before. That's the, the power of God's grace. That's the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. He came to seek and save those who were lost, not those who think that they're fine and who think they're grand with God. So whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And, and somebody who lived a total life of sin and, and deprivation in the past can have their whole life turned around and changed and now live for God. And, and you know, God can use that person to bring his love and his glory and they minister uh, more of the love of God than any religious person can ever do. And... Uh, the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed from glory to glory, changed into his glorious image. You see, the glory of God is reflected as we become like Jesus. And we cannot help but shine for him. I was, you know, reading there recently, Rick Joyner, and I just want to read this line to you from a book I'm reading by him. It says, when Christians are encouraged in their faith, when Christians really turn to the Lord, they cannot help but share the hope that is within them. Isn't that, you know, that is the truth. Because when someone has been touched with the glory of God, when somebody has been, uh, you know, healed and delivered and set free from the bondage and the captivity that we were in the past to sin or to fear or to terror or to whatever it is that, that we were held bondage to, 
we cannot help but share the glory of God because it shines through us. And you are, I, I tell you, friend, the glory of God shines in you. And don't let the enemy speak down to you or condemn you or tell you you'll never make any difference anyway. Listen, that, that's... It, it, no matter what lies you're listening to being spoken into your ear by the enemy, I tell you, it's the exact opposite. That's a word from God for you today. And you need, you know, to remind the devil of what his future is. He's headed for the fire and you're headed for the glory. Oh, he lifted me up from the deep miry clay. He's planted my feet on the king's highway. And that is the reason I sing and I shout. Oh, Jesus came down and he lifted me out. Oh, he lifted me up from the deep miry clay. He's planted my feet on the king's highway. And that is the reason I sing and I shout. Jesus came down and he lifted me out. Amen. We thank you today, Lord. We worship you. We lift up our, our hearts to you today, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that you are changing us into your glorious image. You are changing us and transforming us by the power of your spirit from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, as we grow in our knowledge of you, Lord, we worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Wherever I am, I'll praise him whenever I can. I'll praise him for his love. Surrounds me like the sea. I lift up the name of Jesus. Lift your name, Lord Jesus, for your name. Lord Jesus lifted me. And I will serve no foreign god, nor any other treasure. You are my heart's desire, your spirit without measure, unto your name I will raise my sacrifice. I lift my hands to the coming King, to the great I Am. To you I sing, for you're the one who reigns within my heart. And I will serve no foreign god, nor any other treasure. You are my heart's desire, your spirit without measure. Unto your name I will raise my sacrifice. Amen. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You know, all the Lord wants from you, friend, is your faith in him. He just wants you to believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to read on there while we are in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 4. 
Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. Don't give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You know, Jesus was the, the visible image of the invisible God, the Father. That's why he said, when you see me, you've seen the Father, because I and the Father are one. Paul was speaking here, you know, and he said, um, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light to shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. Anyone who's trying to defeat the enemy or trying to, to um, break out of, of, of situations or bondages or slavery uh, that they have been held in through their own power is wasting their time. Because the only power that, you know, there is only one name by which men can be saved. That word saved means healed, delivered and set free. And that name is Jesus. He is the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. If you have a situation in your life, friend, that is, uh, you, you know, causing you pain causing you trouble you bring the name of jesus to it you speak to the enemy in the name of jesus and that thing has to bow and has to leave you have authority in the name of jesus you have no power in yourself and unfortunately people all over the world right now in these past number of weeks have started to come to that realization and i I am concerned for people's mental health because the weight of that, of, of being housed inside their own homes, of being, you know, not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that, and, and the fear and turmoil that, that is raging is pressing people and, and you know, is, is trying, it's the enemy trying to cause breakdowns and cause... Uh, suicides and, and, and cause people to give up. But I encourage you today, friend, do not give up. This is the word of God that will set you free. Jesus Christ came to, to save us, to deliver us, and to set us free from the things that the enemy uh, had, had tied us up with. But he came also to be our friend. He said, I no longer call you servants, I call you my friend. You will have no greater friend than Jesus Christ. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
Let's read on. Verse 8. This is 2 Corinthians 4, 8. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Praise God. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. This is Paul talking about, you know, the, the, the hardships that he and, and his, his disciples were enduring in order to preach the gospel and in order to bring the gospel everywhere they went. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. And, you know, that is how our faith works. We believe in our hearts and we confess out of our mouths. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you confess him as Lord of your life, you will be saved. And so our faith is a faith that is, is a, a speaking covenant. It's a faith that's based on what we speak out of our mouths. And this is why it's so important that our tongues line up with the word of God. James said in the book of James, you know, out of the same mouth, cannot come cursing uh, others or cursing yourself and then blessing God. This cannot be so. And um, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, maybe. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We just submit to you today, Lord, and we thank you for leading us here in Jesus' name. In 16, it says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Praise God. You see, we have to fix our eyes on eternity because we are eternal beings. Our spirits, our souls will go on forever in eternity. Our physical bodies are, are, are dying on this earth because of the power of sin and death. But that's why Jesus went into hell. He took back the authority from Satan of sin and of death. And he gave us the keys of the kingdom. And so that we can uh, be renewed and refreshed while we're living on this earth. And then know that when our time comes, which is, you know, not as a young person. Listen, uh, people dying young, that is not of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, a man's days will be 120 years. That's the years of man. In in Psalm 90, it says some people, you know, uh, will go to 70 or 80 years of age. But th that was David speaking out of the flesh. God promised Moses that a man's days are 120. So I'm sure you're nowhere near 120 yet, friend. Keep going and keep your eyes on eternity. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the promise of salvation is that when we do die, that we will open our eyes and be with the Lord instantly. 
There is no other place that there is no holding cell that you have to go to to burn for a while or to to wait until somebody, you know, pays enough money or prays you hard enough to get out of there and, and be made right with God after you die. There is no there is no second option. There's only one option, and that is to receive Jesus while we are on this earth, to call on him as Savior and Lord and make him Lord of our lives. That is be transformed and uh, live our lives for him. There's the promise of, of salvation. In fact, his name, you know, the name Yeshua uh, means salvation, the, uh, means God is my salvation. Hallelujah. God will bring his salvation, Yeshua, to those dead things. Uh, the things that are dead, the things that have died in you, you know, friend, dead dreams, dead desires, dead hope. God wants to breathe life on them and he wants to bring blessings and hope and, and uh, you know, vision to you. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 4. The book of Romans, chapter 4, is talking about Abraham's faith. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So we're going to, you know, um, let's let's read it instead. Uh, In verse 9, well, let's start at the beginning, actually. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of the Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So that's what Abraham just accepted, that God was real, that he was true, and he believed him. And this was accounted to him for righteousness. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people who are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God, who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. That's what Jesus was doing for us at the cross. That's why he shed his blood. He paid the price for our sins so that we could be made right with God. He made an exchange at the cross. He exchanged his right standing, his righteousness, his sinlessness, and he took our sins on himself and he died and paid the price for us. He became the ransom. You know, if you've time these days, I would encourage you, if you're looking for movies to watch, have you ever watched The Chronicles of Narnia? Um, C.S. Lewis, the writer, wrote these books, um, seven books, uh, for children. Um, I think it was in the 30s and the 40s. Um, and it's like they're they're sort of fantasy stories, but he, he, he wove a web of of the the gospel of Jesus Christ and and of of the Bible. I mean, his his understanding of the Bible it just blows me away every time I read the books or or watch the movie. 
Um, he, there's three movies made. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia, The, the Lion, the Witch and the um, Wardrobe. That's the first one. The, and uh, I encourage you to, re, to watch that. Um, the second one was Prince Caspian and the third one was the Dawn Treader. But uh, in the first movie, it, it, there's a lion and he's called um, Aslan. And he lays down his life for, uh, you know, for the, the children. And actually, it just explains what Jesus was doing at the cross so well. I, I think it's just a wonderful movie. It's um, if you've small children, it's a little bit scary in patches, to be honest. It's kind of PG parental guidance um, because there is some scenes of of um you know war i suppose the but um i just think if you want to watch something that will lift up and build your faith watch that um so what joy for those whose record the lord has cleared of sin that's what happened to us at calvary jesus wiped out the record that was against us and so now when god looks at us who he sees or what he sees standing before him is Jesus when we have accepted him as Lord. Now this blessing is not only for the Jews or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. So what Paul is saying here to the Romans is, is look, many people will, will try to say, oh, you know, salvation was only for the Jews or salvation is only for those who are, who are circumcised. And he's saying here, no, Abraham received God before he was circumcised. So that means that this gospel, this, this good news of salvation is for all men. And that's why the Lord says later on, you know, there is in his eyes neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male or female. It's man who puts these uh, requirements on, on people. And this is where the religious spirit comes from. Hallelujah. In a verse, let's skip down. Um, Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith, but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith that Abraham had before he was circumcised. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes only by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. So you see here that it was his relationship with God that made him right. It was the fact that he had faith and believed God and trusted in him that made Abraham right with God, not by obeying laws. 16. Uh, oh, sorry, 15, I skipped. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. 
That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Or he believed God was able to bring... Actually, I'll read it from the, the New King James. That's one of my favorite lines in the, or scriptures in the Bible. In it's 17, isn't it? Um, God, he, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness and he was convinced that God could bring life where there was where, where everything had died. And today I tell you, friend, whatever things in your life, you know, dreams or hopes or desires, prayers that you feel have died and that there's no hope for, listen, God is the one who brings life to the dead and he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So this is where our tongue comes into play. What we are saying, what we are declaring is what we are going to have. Um, Mark said it in his gospel in chapter 11. He, he accounted what Jesus told the disciples that day. Listen, you can have whatever you say. Now, uh, you know, this has been perverted and taken out of, of context for many people. But what he means is, is the things that you're declaring are, are you know, the, the seeds you're sowing by your tongue speaking is the fruit you're going to eat. Hallelujah. Let's read on in verse 18. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So in complete uh, contrary to the hope, that, to, the, to the reality that was before him, Abraham hoped in faith. He was 100 years old, Sarah was 90, and God told them they were going to have a baby. They were going to have a baby, not a surrogate, which they had tried to have already, but that they were going to produce a child. <laughs> so in hope, he believed so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be and not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, he, God, was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. So this is what Abraham's righteousness was based on. The fact that he believed what God had told him and he did not waver at the promise. You know, he had to wait about 25 years before, before Isaac was born. That's a long time to wait. And watch your body and your wife's body getting older and older. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he strengthened himself in faith and he... How did he do that? By giving glory to God. Listen, don't ever discount your worship. You know, and it's not easy for me to, to sing there. I'm not a singer, but I, I am a worshiper. 
And I love worshipping the Lord because worshipping the Lord all these years is what has strengthened me. Worshipping him by singing, by singing um, in tongues, by praying in tongues. That is what has brought strength to my life. It's nothing got to do with me. And, you know, my voice might be croaky and I apologize for it. But I tell you, I won't apologize for worshipping the Lord. And neither should you. And it's how you will strengthen your faith. When you feel down, when things are going against you, listen, lift up your voice and start singing and thanking him. Um, This is why it's important to have a wide repertoire of songs to sing to the Lord. You know, because there's a song for every situation. Do you know that? (laughs) There's a song for when you're in fear. There's a song for, for when there's chaos and confusion all around and you need peace. Uh, you know, the Lord will even give you your own songs. He will, you know, maybe you're able to play an instrument. Go play. Play for him. You play. You don't have to make up a song, you know, but you can just go play for the Lord. Go sing for him and worship him and you will be strengthened in your faith. People don't sing enough. They say, oh, I can't sing. Yes, you can. Sorry. Hello. Yes, you can. You've been given in your body a voice box. That is your personal musical instrument. So regardless of whether you can play or hold a note, you have a musical instrument inside of you. And as you lift up your voice to the Lord, what happens is your faith is strengthened when you are, when you are uh, worshipping and praising him. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor, Lord, that you deserve today. We lift our hands in worship. We lift our heart in praise. We give you all the honor, Lord, that you deserve today. Ishambore Iliana, kibore Iliana ki. O manya la ki emboro loke anami. Yera la ki emora, ye manore ki. Ibore iliana ke amoro locum piesandore alacara. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you, Father. Right now, looking at the world, you know, looking at the, the lack of God, looking at the cruelty that people treat each other with, looking at the poverty and the lack, looking at the crime or the violence the horrible things that people do, looking at people's morals or lack of morals, looking even perhaps at our own problems or the issues that look insurmountable. It's so easy to get discouraged and to say, what is the point? (laughs) I'm sure, you know, Abraham and Sarah probably looked at each other and said, what are we doing, you know, at some point? But listen, They strengthened, he strengthened himself in faith through his worship, through um, glorifying God. We can look and we can say, these things will never change. Or we can look and we can say, with God, all things are possible. What looks impossible to man? And maybe you've been given a diagnosis that is terminal. I tell you, friend, as you trust in the Lord and as you speak to your circumstances and say, there's nothing impossible with God. As you dig into his word and find out what his word says to you, you will strengthen your faith and you will see your circumstances change. 
Hallelujah. So maybe things look des desolate or maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you're feeling low. Maybe you're just fed up of having to be inside. Maybe you're fed up of, of all the, the new procedures that are going on in, in your workplace. Maybe, maybe it's really difficult. But listen, we have entered a shift in the Spirit of God and we are now in God's timing. And I think that that's what that cuckoo was saying. <laughs> and don't call me cuckoo. I hear you. Uh, if we just hold on and hold on tight, I believe we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Let's go look at Psalm 27. Praise God. Psalm 27. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how much time has gone already. Hallelujah. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. He is my fortress. He protects me from danger. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, to devour me. And I, I call your attention to that there, friend. If, if you're battling some kind of sickness or disease in your body, if there's cancer or, or whatever the situation is, diabetes or whatever. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Because the Lord is the strength of my life. So this is something that you won't hear in, in hospitals or doctor, from doctors. And God bless doctors and God bless hospitals because, and the staff who work in them because they have kept many the person alive. But, you know, when they uh, see certain diseases or sicknesses and they give terminal diagnosis or, or diagnosis that this is what, how it's going to be for the rest of your life, they are speaking from human reasoning and from what they have seen, the precedent that they have seen in the past and what they have known. But they're not speaking from what God's word says. And his word says that when your enemies come against you to eat up your flesh, they will stumble and fall because of the glory of God and because of uh, the fact that the Lord is your light and your salvation. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. I will remain confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord and that I seek the most that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You see, friend, as we dwell in his house, as we take time to spend time with the Lord, as we study his word, as we talk to him, as we worship him, as we dedicate our lives to him, we are dwelling in his house. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. pavilion. He will conceal me from trouble. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. His tabernacle there is the place he dwells in. And you know, it says in, in the New Testament that God no longer dwells in tabernacles or in temples made by, by man or by hand. But he dwells inside in the tabernacle of your spirit now. That is what Jesus did. He came to reconnect our spirit to God. And that is why he lives inside of us now. And we live in him. He's, he is tabernacling with you. He will set me high upon a rock. He will place me out of reach. That's what he set me high upon a rock means. He will place me high up out of reach. And he will hold my head high. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, you know what that means there? Come and talk with me. When you said, come and talk with me, seek my face. My heart said to you, Lord, your face, Lord, I will seek. Lord, I'm coming. That's what that means when it's translated from the Hebrew. Hebrew. Lord, I'm coming. Do not hide your face from me. Don't turn your back on me, Lord. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help or my helper. Do not leave me or forsake me. Do not abandon me, Lord. O God of my salvation. Here's this word again. Salvation. Yeshua. (laughs) When my father and my mother forsake me. You know, even if your father and your mother forsake you. Even if you have been rejected by those who should have loved you. By those who should have nurtured you. Even if you have been mistreated and abused. God wants you to know that he will take care of you, that he will. In fact, it says here, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. What that translates to is he will hold me close. Many people find it very difficult to come near God because of the way they've been treated by men. And they, they view God in the way that they view men simply because, you know, many people who were... Uh, who were uh, pertaining to speak for God even. You know, they did things in the name of God and and they, they hurt and wounded people and brought a mistrust there between human beings and God because of the way that mankind treated each other. But God says here, listen friend, even if those closest to you reject you, he wants to hold you close. Teach me your ways, O Lord. And lead me in the smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my enemies. What he's saying there is my enemies lie in wait. And your enemy, the devil, we're told in the Bible, and my enemy. He roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. Your adversary there is one who opposes you in a court of law. So in the court of heaven, the devil opposes us and, and comes before God, accusing us of things or accusing our, our things that are in our bloodlines back along, sins and iniquities that have come down the generations. That's what the, the devil is doing in that capacity as our adversary, as our accuser. But revelation, and Pastor Brida has a word for you today later on, and she mentions this scripture, hallelujah, that the accuser of the brethren has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So what's coming out of our mouth, the declarations that we are making, even though things may not be great, even though, you know, everything may not be rosy in the garden for you, what you're speaking out of your mouth and the the uh, the blood of Jesus speaking for you in heaven, as you use those and use the authority that you've been given, you will cast down that voice of the adversary. False witnesses have risen up against me. They accuse me of things I have never done. And such as breathe out violence. And here David says then, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He says, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness. That's what that means. 
while I am here on this earth. He said, finishes off then saying, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. Wait in faith, that means. Wait on the Lord is wait, wait in faith. Be of good courage, be brave and courageous, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Hallelujah. So there is a response, you know, that emanates from one who has been touched by God's goodness. And it's first repentance, and then it's a desire that only his presence can satisfy. Only his presence, only by living in his house, only by having him tabernacle with me, only by me coming and seeking him and spending time with him, we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Say it with me. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Many people are living in terrible conditions. They're living in bad relationships. Perhaps they're dealing with a sickness or a disease. They're maybe living in poverty or lack. Maybe they're living in loneliness or inferiority or some kind of a pain or trauma from the past. And the devil has capitalized upon that fear or upon that pain. And he's magnified it. He's magnifying those things to you. And he's making you feel hopeless or helpless. The world, you know, has conditioned people to only believe that what they see or hear is truth. And they have, you know, the world has, has conditioned people almost to sort of dumb them down, to dumbify their spiritual senses in believing God. And this is why they, they, they can't ever even sort of grasp or understand that God could love them or that they could have freedom and deliverance. Past disappointments or prayers that they didn't see answered maybe in the past may have made people lose hope. But you know, you have to ask yourself, who's, what God were they serving? How many times was God speaking to them and that they weren't listening? Or who were they following? What kind of influence was influencing them? Because if it was not based on the truth of God's word, then they were listening to a lie. You know, earlier I saw two bees um, trapped inside one of the, the windows here. It was a huge window and they were trapped. And they were exhausting themselves, traveling up and down the length of the window. I was watching them for a while. They were annoying me. <laughs> They're, you know, but um, they were completely unaware that the opening to the window was at the side because it was a bay window. And the opening was at the side. They were, uh, they could see the world outside the glass. And they thought they were in it. But what they were in was a mirage because they were blocked and they were hindered. Many of us have been like that. We've been traveling miles up and down the window, up and down, in and out, around and around in circles, making no progress and taking no ground, but staying trapped where we are, frustrated, exhausted, delirious and disillusioned. Had they quietened down and maybe looked around them, they would have seen that the window was open to the side. 
And this is, you know, I believe very uh, symbolic of the veil that is on people where, where they're, they're striving and, 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 you know, they think they're all right and they're not. Or they're completely desolate and, and worn out from trying and trying and trying. And all the time, had they quietened down, they would have seen there's a way, a path to freedom over here. As we trust and believe in God's goodness and his mercy, we may not know the way that things will pan out fully. I had to go and rescue those two bees. I got some tissue and a piece of uh, paper and I sort of um, shrouded them in it and, and took them to the window and got them out. So, you know, they weren't sure about this. This looked worse, actually, than, than what they were doing because now they were in complete darkness and, and, you know, they were in danger of being killed, they thought, but actually I was taking them to freedom. And so we may not know how things are going to pan out, you know, as in what's the next step to take. But if we take a step, one step, and then another, steps of faith, as we honor God, as we obey his word, his glory will be seen on us and through us. And who knows the impact that it will have on those who are around us. I'm reminded, you know, years ago, I heard a testimony by a guy and he was involved in just total deprivation and debauchery. He was living a, a life that was absolutely causing terrible pain to all those around him and even to his neighbours. He was an absolute menace in the community. He was constantly in trouble. He, he was in gangs and he was headed down a very predictable path to destruction, really. But there was a, one woman an old lady, uh, an older lady, she was, I think, in her 80s. And she somehow got a picture of him, I suppose, maybe from <laughs> most wanted in the, in the paper. But she pinned that picture to her refrigerator so that every time she would go to her refrigerator, she'd look at his picture and she would pray for him and cry out to God for him and intercede. And... Uh, she ignored what he was doing now or the latest, you know, reports of, of what he's done now. And she faithfully prayed for that man because nobody else was praying for him. He was carrying out crime and terror because that's the system he was brought up under. That's where he was being influenced from. He knew nothing else. But God's goodness delivered him and God had somebody who would stand in the gap for that boy. She stood in the gap and she prayed for him, even though the easier thing would have been to say, I hate him and how dare he and God, I hope you, you destroy him. But no, she cried out to God for him because you see the light of God living in her. She couldn't help but share that light. She couldn't help but pray for him and intercede that God's plans would come forth for that man's life and that he would be rescued from the path that the enemy had plotted out for him. And that's exactly what happened. She got the fruit of her prayers. That boy, he was saved, delivered and set free. His life was totally transformed and turned around. And he now preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is only doing that by the grace of God and by that woman intervening in his life and praying for him. He never had any contact with her, only afterwards when, when he was saved. We're going to take a break for a minute and I'll come back to you shortly. 
Welcome back, friends. You know, in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas had been imprisoned because, they, uh, you know, the, the town they had been preaching in, they had cast out an evil spirit of, of a, a psychic spirit out of a girl, a spirit of divination, who was following them around. And she was actually speaking out, you know, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She was speaking out uh, the truth, but she was doing so by a spirit of divination. And Paul and Silas cast out that spirit out of her and they were thrown in jail because the she was a slave girl and her owners got really mad at them then because their their source of finance was was um put a stop to and it says in this is Acts 16 verse 25 at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them so you see the effect that your faith has on those around you you know, is is immeasurable. The prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains fell off. They were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself you know this i i i laugh when i hear this it, it it's it's hysterical really he couldn't see you see because it was the this prison was in darkness and so he just figured that because of the earthquake they'd all escaped and he was about to kill himself can you imagine the confusion and him running around the place saying oh my god i'm in for it now you know i might as well just finish my life because you know i'm going to get into real trouble here and but paul knowing what was going on, called out to him with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. You know, there's so much symbolic things going on here. These prisoners were being held in darkness. They were chained. They were in bondage. And, and how did he know to go to Paul and Silas? He, he, the fear of God came on him. Because of what had happened and because of the light that Paul and Silas were, he knew that they were responsible. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And that promise is for you as well, friend, for you and your whole household, for salvation. And you declare that no matter what they're living like, no matter how far they are from God, you and your household shall be saved. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes because they'd been beaten as well before they were imprisoned. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when they had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. This man's life was changed and transformed forever. He and all of his household. And how many other lives was, were, will he go out to change and transform after that? Praise God. 
taste and see that the Lord is good, Psalm 34 8 tells us. We need to leave behind detestable practices. Uh, there, Like we said before, you know, there is a change in people, a complete transformation in people who come to know the Lord and they cannot help but be different. Jesus is the true vine. What vine have I been attached to in the past? Because it is the fruit of that vine that I have been bearing and that has been influencing the life I'm living. That's the truth. In Matthew chapter 3, Thank you for bearing with me. I know this is long, but I I believe this is a a life-changing study. Go to Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist was the voice crying in the wilderness. He was the one who went and prepared the way for Jesus. He lived out in the wilderness and people came out to him to hear what he was preaching. And you know what he was preaching? He was preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And like I said earlier on, I believe the cuckoo was (laughs) prophesying. The time is at hand. The time is now. God's timing, his kingdom. And it's time that we started preaching his kingdom and living his kingdom and shining for him. That's what John was doing. In verse 7, Um, Well, let's say five. Jerusalem, all Judea and the region around Jordan went out to him and they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, The axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit, good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan or fork is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather up his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And that's the reality we always have to be aware of, is the reality of eternity. Where are you going to spend eternity, friend? If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he was born as a human being, that he lived a sinless, perfect life, that he died on the cross for your sins and took them, and that God raised him from the dead so that you could be acquitted and made right with him through his sacrifice, you are saved. You have been given the free gift of salvation and the free gift of righteousness through Jesus' blood. And you will, when you close your eyes, you will go to be with the Lord and live with him for eternity. But for those who don't and for those who reject him and those who try to do it themselves and do it the way, oh, look, the way we've been handed down generation after generation, who've been taught to to bow down before pictures or idols, who've been taught that there are many ways to God and that there are many gods or that we are all God and God is inside of us. That's universalism. And those things, you know, there are people who really believe, you know, many people call themselves Christian. Uh, you, You say to someone, I'm a Christian, they say, well, I'm a Christian as well. Well, Christian means little Christ. That's what it means. And many people who call themselves Christians are the furthest thing 
from a little Christ. And they are actually more like a little devil than Jesus. They are attached to vines of Sodom and Gomorrah, of complete debauchery and and perversion. They are attached to vines of idolatry, of worshipping other gods. They are attached to vines of pride, full of pride and puffed up in myself. Bitterness, attached to vines of bitterness and strife. Attached to vines of rebellion, complete rebellion to God and rebellion to authority. They're attached to vines of unforgiveness. And these vines, John prophesied that Jesus, the coming Messiah, would put an axe to those vines. That's why Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you believe in me, you are the branches. My father's the vine dresser. He cuts off those branches that are not bearing fruit and he burns them in the fire. But he prunes the branches that are bearing fruit so that they'll bear more fruit. That's in John 15. We cannot be complacent about sin. Both John and Jesus spoke of the threshing floor. John spoke about it here. He says, The axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then he goes on to say, you know, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This speaks of, you know, uh, where the farmer would bring his wheat or bring his barley, his grain, and it was ground down on this floor, that what was called the threshing floor. It was ground down. Um, to reveal and to separate the wheat from the chaff. Um, the chaff was like the, the dry, scaly, outer husk, the debris really. And um, as the, the, the wheat or the, was being ground down, the chaff would, would disengage from the, from the fruit, from the harvest, from the wheat. And what would happen is the farmer would come in with a fork his winnowing fork it was called and he would lift up the the um the grain that was on the ground he would lift it up with the fork and the wind would catch the debris or the husk or the the chaff and it would take it and blow it away but heavier bits of chaff then would fall um you know on one part of the floor but the grain would drop the wheat would would drop um, in a pile. And the the light chaff was burned in a fire. And the straw that came off it was used to bed down animals. And that's what happened at the threshing floor. And Jesus is, John is saying here that that's what Jesus is going to do. Separate the thing that was valuable from the thing that's worthless. The chaff denotes or symbolizes wickedness, but the grain was saved because that was valuable. Our faith is what separates us as believers. Our faith in Jesus Christ and the light of him who lives inside of us, shining as as we live for him and as we obey his word. We bear fruit that will last as a result of the righteousness that comes to us through faith, just like Abraham. Just like Moses. 
just like Hannah, like Gideon, like David, like Paul. We could go on and on there mentioning them. And like them, our fruit is to bring glory to God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're just going to break bread here today and we're going to pray. I encourage you to get um, your cup and, and piece of bread, a little bit of juice and bread. If you if you are already doing this with your family, God bless you, you know, that that's perfect. You don't have to, but I would encourage you to pray. We'll take the bread today and we'll pray together. Father God, I repent of every detestable practice in my life, every sin in my life from the past. I ask you to forgive me for them. And I turn from them now. Especially, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for holding unforgiveness or bitterness against those who have hurt me. I release them from all offence. I ask you to forgive me, Father, for blaming you even when things didn't work out. I repent for being angry with you, Lord. I release all shame, all bitterness, all strife, all unforgiveness out of my heart. I ask you to forgive me for being mad at myself and I forgive myself for condemning my life or condemning myself with my own words. I ask you to forgive me for every idle word, every curse word that I have ever spoken against myself, against you, Lord, or against any other person in my life. I repent in Jesus' name. I thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me with your blood, and I ask you to fill me now with your peace. I receive your peace and your wholeness, Jesus, into my mind, into my heart, into my emotions, and into my physical body. I curse the root of all fear and terror and um, sickness. I command all sickness to leave my body in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that by the stripes you took for me, I am healed. And as I eat this bread today, I am eating understanding and wholeness and soundness into every part of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can take the bread now. Now we take the cup. This cup represents the new covenant that was written in the blood of Jesus so that you and I could be saved, so we could be washed and cleansed of our sins and our iniquities that are coming down the generations and so that we could be brought right back into, into right relationship with God as his child. Hallelujah. Let's say it together. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and that you died on the, on the cross for my sins. You took my pain. You took my grief. You took my shame. And you took my sins because I could never bear the burden of those things and I could never save myself. I believe you, God raised you from the dead by the power of his Holy Spirit so that I could be acquitted and made right with God. And I thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. I ask you to be Lord of all my life. And I choose now, Lord Jesus, to be attached to your vine. 
and to bear good fruit for you. I sever every ungodly tie and every cord between me and every vine that I have been attached to in the past that is not of you, Lord. I sever the cord between me and the vine of Sodom and Gomorrah. I sever the cord between me and the vine of idolatry, the vine of lies, the vine of deceit, the the vine of gossip and judgment, the vine of unforgiveness and bitterness. I sever every every cord between me and the vine of fear and turmoil and chaos, sickness and disease in Jesus' name. I ask you, Lord Jesus, create in me a clean heart. Use me for your glory. Let your glory light shine in my heart and in my soul and heal every part that's been hurting. I bask in your love today and your goodness and your mercy and I declare I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we take the cup. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, as we take this cup, we proclaim your death and your resurrection until you come again. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just agree today in the name of Jesus for every uh, one who's listening here. Lord, we bless them, Father. We bless their families. We thank you, Lord, for your promise of salvation for us and our households. And as we take this bread and this cup today, remembering your death and and declaring the new covenant of the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that we and our households shall be saved. And I declare, as for me and my house, we shall serve the living, risen God. Thank you, Jesus, for your hand of blessing upon each one today. I bless them, Father. I bless their their children. I bless their families. I bless their homes. I bless their businesses and their jobs. I thank you, Father, for the spirit of abundance and increase upon each one. Father, we take the tithes and the offerings today, Lord, from each person, and we bless them in the name of Jesus. We sanctify them. And we thank you, Father. You said you would rebuke the devourer for our sake. You said, Lord, that our vine would not drop its fruit before its time or fail to bear fruit. Lord, we praise you for your blessings on all the work of our hands. And we honor you with our first fruits, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that you uh, just bring a spirit of increase upon each one today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you will show them the way to go. I thank you for witty ideas and and innovation and inventions, Father, coming forth. I call forth the anointing on the people's lives that are listening here today. I call forth the anointing upon them in their jobs. I pray your protection and preservation upon them in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father. We praise you and we worship you today. We thank you for this time. We dedicate it to you, Lord. And we praise you for, for you are taking us from glory to glory in Jesus' Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, friend. I encourage you to listen on. Pastor Breed has a, a word of a, a testimony for you today. And I know we're all excited about hearing from her today. So God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings on all who are listening to this podcast today in Jesus' name. Blessings on Rose and her family who the Lord have raised up to preach the gospel and the several abilities within her. When Joe, my husband, went home to be with the Lord, the enemy thought he had won, but the Lord had his way and word of victory have grown in strength. Praise God. A scripture in Revelations 12, 11, 
and they overcame him by the blood of Jesus and the words of their testimony. In 1966, we got married. Life was good. Joe had his own business. I was working. We built our own home. We were doing it on our own. We didn't know the Lord. We had plenty of religion. In the early 70s, life started to unravel. Joe got sick. We lost everything. Home and business to lack of knowledge of the word of God. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge of the word of God. In 1973, we had a baby born with a heart condition. After heart operation in May 1976 in a children's hospital in Dublin, he lost his battle for life 12 hours later. We were at the end of the road. We plodded along with five children, living in the middle of Killarney town on social welfare. In 1984, a friend called to Joe and asked him to go to a full gospel meeting in a hotel in town. At the time, he could not move with a bad back and panic attacks. He got there eventually and his back was healed. He got a Bible from one of the men. It was the turning point in our lives. The first scripture he took hold of was Matthew 6.33, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things will be added unto us. In 87, we moved near the country, near the country about three miles to Clarney, by divine appointment. We started prayer meetings in our home. So did the early church. They, they did meet in their homes, Acts 2.42. I believe the end time will be meeting in their home. The Lord gave us the vision to start fellowship in our home. He gave us the name of Word of Victory. Joe studied the word day and night, which brings me to Joshua 1.8. This book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. <clears throat> you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. How much time do we spend thinking about the word of God? The Bible says that if we want to find wise answers to our problems and be successful and prosperous in all our dealings, we need to meditate on the word of God day and night. Joe went home to be with the Lord the 1st of January 2018. I have to praise the Lord for his goodness and for word of victory and what the Lord is doing in our midst. I will finish with a word of encouragement. Isaiah 40 verse 31. It says, Those who wait on the Lord, who expect, look for and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles. Mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint or become tired. Quietly waiting on God, spending time alone with him in prayer, worship or Bible reading encourages us, does more to restore our bodies, minds and emotions than anything else we can do. We need to do this regularly. I urge you to be quiet with God. Do not let anyone take those con uh, consecrated moments from you. In those times, God encourages us to face everything we need to do with renewed physical, emotional, mental and spiritual strength.
I believe this word will encourage somebody today who is going through turmoil at the moment. The Lord is the answer and blessings on everybody listening to this testimony today. Amen.